for our text this morning. First Samuel chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, The child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. The word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim, that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. He said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. The Lord called yet again, Samuel. Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. The Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be if he call thee that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Let's pray this morning. Our Heavenly Father, I do thank you for today. Thank you for the blessings of today that you have richly blessed us with. I pray that you would help in the preaching of your word. I pray that you would take it and meet the needs that are represented here. I pray that you would strengthen and encourage and help us as we seek to do your work. Pray that you would bless as only you can. For it's in Jesus' name I pray and I ask these things. Amen. Come to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 3 and the state of the priesthood, the state of the spiritual leadership was uh, was in a mess. Uh, there were there were a lot of problems. I look today and I think that those that are in places of spiritual leadership and I think the signs of the the time today. There's a great casualness by spiritual leaders today toward the things of God. Uh, there's just a great casualness that has crept into churches, and I'm not speaking of currently independent Baptist churches, we'll get there. Uh, but just in the, in the Bible belt, you would say in the greater Springfield area from Sunday to Sunday, you can, I mean, there's just no telling what you'll find. You can find Tattoo Sunday on Sundays in Springfield. Uh, come spring, there'll be a big spring splash that'll be put on, big baptismal service advertised as the spring splash. Um, I mean, what what, what what have we come to? Uh, what's going on? I think uh, people today say this, well, well, I'm spiritual. Brother Hastings and I were texting back and forth a couple days ago, and he sent me a little meme about a person saying, you know, I'm spiritual. And he said, yeah, demons are too. You need to be more specific. <laughs> uh, and, and I think that uh, that as well. 
Uh, you know, uh, people walking around with a Jesus tattoo, uh, what's more spiritual than a Jesus tattoo is getting it at church on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, what have we come to? But that's accepted today. Uh, that That's just part of what society is. It's, it's, it's okay. It, I mean, it, it happened in church on a Sunday. And the great casualness with which the ministry is approached, with, with which it's entered into, with which it's carried out, this, this casualness uh, today. And they appear to be successful. You look on the outside and they have all signs of what we would call success. Thriving, lively services, throngs of young people, accompanied by soft preaching by preacher Dan, or whoever it may be. It's made its way into our independent Baptist churches as well, though. doesn't take long to go on vacation and try to vet some of the churches ahead of time and just make sure you, you whittle it down and just say, okay, if I can just find, do you preach out of the King James Bible? But can we find common ground there and we can at least come and, and be in services on Sunday? The teen room is blacked out. They got video monitors and big screen TVs for the teens to play video games after the short Bible story. And I think this, man, we're lacking a sense of seriousness about what we're doing. There, there is, there ought to be a, this, this does not mean, serious doesn't mean there's no fun allowed. It does not mean that. Seriousness does not mean it has to be a dry, dead church. It does not mean that at all. It just means this, I need to understand the importance and the eternal ramifications of what I am doing. And one day I'm going to stand before God and answer to Him. I don't answer to a board. I answer to man. I answer to God. And I don't say that as, hey, nobody can tell me what to do. There ought to be a sense of weight of the God of the universe is who I answer to. Why should I be serious about the ministry? I started out and just was writing things down, thinking, well, you know, that is a good question to ask ourselves. What, what is the importance of the seriousness of the ministry? I just came down to this. It ought to be serious to me because it's serious to God. If it's serious to Him, I, I must be serious about this. Uh, if, if He cares enough about it to be serious about it, I need to do the same. I look around today and see those, though, that appear to be thriving and think, who doesn't want a growing church with a large group of young people fervent for coming to church? But I think achieving that by casualness will one day come to haunt us. One day we'll regret it. Without God's presence, we're doomed. Without the presence of God, we're either doomed to a dead, doctrinally sound church, or we're doomed down the road of casual Christianity. We ought to be serious because of the God we serve. Notice in 1 Samuel 3, 1, God's silence. Bible says, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. I wonder this, I ask myself, why would God be silent? 
Why would the God of heaven who has a, who, who, why would he be silent? Why would he not be speaking? The word of the Lord was precious in those days. It means it was, it was rare. It was not heard of uh, in abundance. He, he wasn't speaking. The reason I, I believe is there's no doubt it was in direct correlation to the leadership's casualness about the things of God and what God said he wanted. If you look back in 1 Samuel chapter 2, the verse number 12. Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. What a sad commentary. Now listen, they knew not the Lord because of their rebellion. Samuel knew not the Lord. You say, well, Samuel knew not the Lord. It says in 1 Samuel 3, it was because he was young. It doesn't mean he was in rebellion and had rejected him. Eli's sons knew not the Lord because they were living in rebellion. They didn't see the seriousness of the things of God. Continue reading after 1 Samuel 2.12. The priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servants came while the flesh was in the seething with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand, and he struck it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, all that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. So they did in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came thither. Also, before they burnt the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. And if any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as thy soul desireth, then he would answer him, Nay, but thou shalt give it me now, and if not, I will take it by force. Wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Uh, you read down, and in, in verse 24, Eli addresses his sons. We'll get into that just a little bit later, but in verse 24, he says, Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear ye make the Lord's people to transgress. And we find this, the, the casualness, the carnality of the leadership had a direct influence upon the people. Uh, the, the carnality of Eli's sons was causing the people to transgress as well. And I look across America and I look across uh, Christianity today and say this, boy, why aren't people serious about the things of the Lord? And I want to say this, many times it's because there's no seriousness in the pulpits of the Lord. The seriousness of, listen, what I do is important. This is important business. It's God's business. It has eternal ramifications. Uh, and therefore, it is important. And how will the people grasp and fully get this? Boy, this is, what we do is important. Listen, Sunday is not the, the last day of the weekend's entertainment. They get their entertainment Friday night and they get their entertainment Saturday night and then to end the weekend they get their Sunday form of entertainment. Listen, that's not what it's about. It's the first day of the week that ought to set the tone for the rest of the week. The seriousness about, listen, God has got a plan. Yes, God has not called everyone to preach. We aren't all preachers, but God has got a plan. And the seriousness of this, whether I'm called to preach or not, God has got a plan and I need to be fulfilling that plan in my life and I need to have a sense of seriousness about about me. Eli's sons did this. They placed what they wanted over what God said. God said this, and they said, no, we'll have it this way. They got more that way. 
It's working the same today. Some get more by doing it the way they want rather than the way God says. But we'll find this, it has a catastrophic ending. You don't judge something by the way it starts. Remember Pastor Abel's telling me that? And another pastor friend. And they'd look and you're laboring and not much going on. You see someone else and they said, listen, don't, don't pay any attention to that. Just give them a few years and see where that ends up. It's good advice. You don't judge something by the jackrabbit start. Look at it 10 years down the road and let's see where it's going. So we see the reason. We also see the response of Samuel. The response of Samuel is this. He ministered. There's casualness all about him. There's casualness in the priesthood. There's casualness in the leadership, the spiritual leadership. So what would Samuel's response, young Samuel, what did he do? Well, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 3, 1, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord. Look in uh, 1 Samuel 2 and verse 18. Uh, we just read that passage about the, the sin of the young men, uh, Hophni and Phinehas, and uh, that they had abhorred the offering of the Lord. Look what the, the following verse says, though, verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord. So in the midst of all this going on, and you look around today and you say this great casualness, and there appears to be success, and there appears to be a following, and what am I to do in the midst of all this casualness? I believe we can look to Samuel and see this. He just kept on ministering before the Lord. In the midst of all the casualness, you know what he did? He said, I served the Lord. I'm going to just minister unto Him. I'm just going to keep my head down and just keep doing right. I'm going to, I'm going to minister unto the Lord. This doesn't mean I'm battening down the hatches and just holding on till Jesus comes. No, it means this. He was out ministering unto the Lord. He was working. He didn't have a defeatist attitude of, oh my, this is, this is just terrible. What's going to happen? He said, I can't control what they're doing, but I know this. I can minister to the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. Samuel ministered unto the Lord. Uh, Eli's sons serving in carnality and casualness. What is Samuel to do? Minister unto the Lord. God is silent. What is Samuel to do? Minister unto the Lord. We see that in verse 1. He ministered unto the Lord, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Samuel had no official leadership title, but he was serious about the things of God, and he was fixing to get a title. He wasn't in it for the title, though. I see this first. He was serious about the things of God before God started doing things with him. There was a seriousness about the things of God. Well, if you're looking for a title, you're looking for the wrong thing. I'm looking for a pastor so I can be in charge. I'm looking for, to be a pastor of a bigger church. Listen, that's not the way it works. You need to be serious about the things of God as Samuel was serious. Well, you don't understand. If I'm serious about the things of God, there's casualness around me. There appears to be success around me. There appears to be so many things that doesn't seem like God's saying anything. Keep ministering unto the Lord. Samuel's ministering unto the Lord. So God has been silent. God has been silent, but God breaks His silence. Verses... 2 through 14, God breaks His silence. Verse 3, And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down 
to sleep. You know, when God spoke, when Samuel was still and quiet, Brother Elliot just touched on that, just kind of glanced over it last night. Be still and know that I am God. I also look at this and find it peculiar. God didn't speak to Eli. Eli had the position. Samuel didn't have a position. And God chose to speak to Samuel. God's looking to speak to men who have a heart for Him. Who have a sense of seriousness about, I, I want to do God's work. I want to please Him. Boy, I want, boy, I sure would desire God to speak to me. How serious am I about the things of the Lord? Eli didn't get the message, and I wonder when little Samuel ran to Eli the first time and said, What do you want? Here am I. Finally, Eli perceived. This is God talking to this young man. I think there would be blessing and disappointment in that. Eli was a lot better tutor than he was a father. And the joy that he would think God's speaking to Samuel, but yet the disappointment, why is he not speaking to me? How come he went past me and went to a young man? Perhaps it's a lack of seriousness over the things of God. Verse 10 says, And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Samuel's in the very presence of God right now. Verse 10, it says, the Lord came and stood and spake. Samuel's response is, speak, thy servant heareth. A heart of seriousness about what God has to say. I'm just your servant and I'm listening. That's a good quality to have as a pastor. An ear for God. Speak, God, I'm listening. I don't know what I'll have to say to the people if God hasn't spoke to me. I can come up with some stuff. But it doesn't come out in the demonstration of spirit and power. I found this, the Holy Spirit really doesn't get on the things that I choose to say in the outlines I can come up with. But when there's been time with the Lord, God, I'm listening. I need you to speak. I say thank you, Lord, when He does. Too often we attempt to hastily enter into God's presence, and unlike Samuel, we say, Lord, listen, for thy servant speaketh. 
We kind of get her spun around backwards. God, listen, your servant's got something he needs to tell you about. Samuel had it right. Speak, thy servant heareth. How much do we value being in the presence of God and Him speaking with us? Where's that in our list of values? We can, we can do without it. We can come up with an outline. <clears throat> we can get loud. We can hit some hot button points. But do we really value being in His presence? I'm not talking about praying and saying, God, move in and work in a wonderful way in the service. I'm talking about in our quiet time with Him, valuing just being in His presence, listening. God honors and God works through a servant who is serious, who listens and values being in God's presence. Seriousness about the things of God is a seriousness, a soberness, that God has something to say. Listen, it's God, God, that, God that is willing to speak, God that wants to talk. And I, I, and I want to hear what He has to say. I value what he has to say. <clears throat> God speaks, and in verses 11 through 14, so Samuel just values what God has to say, and he doesn't know what God's getting ready to say. Wait a minute, how can you value something before it's ever even spoken? Because of whom who is speaking. I don't know what God's going to tell me. I don't really care what he's going to tell me. I just want him to speak with me. Samuel, in God's presence, God speaks, and God gives him a condensed version of what a man of God had already told Eli back in chapter 2, verses 27 through 35. A man of God had already come to Eli and said, listen, God's going to set this straight, and it's going to happen pretty soon. You read those, and you... Think, man, God, I mean, God was pretty harsh. Let us not, God is never harsh. Let us not take a couple paragraphs, a couple columns of Scripture and draw our conclusion about Eli's failings. God knows us inside and out. God knew what He was doing. And God said this, this is all coming to an end. He tells Samuel a condensed version of that in verses 11 through 14. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at the which... The ears of every one that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. Mercy. You think God's not serious about His work? You say, well, that's Old Testament. No, that's Bible. God's serious about His work. Well, there's casualness and there's some, you know, some casualness, but come on, let's not make too big. Listen, God makes a big deal about it. It's a big deal to Him. It ought to be a big deal to me. Samuel listens 
Something else I notice here, Samuel listens even when God's telling him something that he doesn't necessarily want to hear. He's not sitting there gloating in what God's telling him. It's grieving him. And he listens anyway. Verses 15 through 18 is, shows us Samuel's willingness to speak exactly what God said. Even if the hearer may not want to hear it. Very much unlike Eli. Turn back over to 1 Samuel chapter 2 verses 29 and 30. This is when the man of God was sent to Eli and the man of God was addressing Eli. Verses 29 and 30. Just for sake of time, we'll just read these two verses. Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me, to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel my people. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever, but now the Lord saith, Be it far from me. For them that honor me, I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Wowzers. Man of God comes to Eli and tells him like it is. Eli chose his sons over God. When you don't speak and do what God desires because you fear what the congregation will think. You're honoring them above God. Saying this, thus saith the Lord, but I know y'all aren't going to take this very well, so let's just skip over that part. And we wonder why we lack power. Thus saith the Lord, but I know y'all aren't going to like this, so we're just going to move right on past this. Eli just skipped on past it with his sons, and God said, why are you honoring them over me? God calls that despising Him. Those are pretty strong terms from God. Listen, He desires us to treasure time in His presence, to hear from Him, and then deliver what He's told us exactly to the people. Samuel's growth Verse 19, Samuel grows spiritually. <clears throat> Samuel has told Eli every wit. God has told him what he's going to do to Eli. And Samuel gets up the next morning and is getting things ready. And I don't believe he wants to really run across to Eli. He really doesn't want to necessarily deliver this. But Eli says, tell me what God had to say to you last night. The Bible says he told him every wit. He didn't mince words. He didn't soften the message. Listen, you, don't, you don't have to take a sledgehammer, and beat the people over the head with it. God's Word knows the correct amount of pressure to place. We just have to deliver God's Word as it is. And God, God wields the sledgehammer, not us. Told Him everything. Verse 19 says, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. 
grew spiritually by treating God's Word and God's presence with respect and seriousness. The Lord was with him. Samuel greatly valued God's presence and God's Word, and he was careful to catch everything God spoke. He didn't let it carelessly fall. You know what he's doing? God's revealing himself to Samuel. God will reveal himself. God will speak, but it's up to us how we respond then. Samuel responds correctly. The people notice verse 20, And all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. You know what the people need? They need a man who is serious about the things of God. The people said this, that's God's man right there. That, that's him. Why? Because he had a title? Because he had it embroidered on the back of his robe? No, because he'd spent time with God, that's why. He valued God's presence. He valued what God had to say. And people said this, there's a man of God right there. He didn't give himself that title. They knew who he was. Verse 21, And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. God's no longer a stranger and silent in Shiloh. He appeared again. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. He's now appearing to Samuel. He's revealing himself to Samuel through his word. What a blessed time of meeting with God for Samuel. God shows up and speaks to him. Then you carry over into the beginning of the fourth chapter. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Reckon why that happened. Because he'd been spending time with God. He was serious about the things of God. And God had said had seen this. Here's a man who, who, who treasures my presence, who listens when I speak. I'm going to open his mouth and all Israel's going to hear what he's got to say. In closing, chapter 4 is a pathetic chapter. You read through chapter 4 and you know what the spiritual leadership finds out? Spiritual leadership finds this out. Casual, carnal service one day hits something where they need God's presence. They get into battle and the Philistines are whooping them. And what is their response? All right. We'll go back and get the ark. What does the ark represent? The presence of God. We can live and we can serve in our carnality and our casualness. But then when we need Him, all we got to do is grab the ark and we got His presence. Oh man, it's awesome. God, you haven't been at the forefront, but now we're in a crisis and we need Your presence. Let's grab the ark and come charging in with it. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. God's presence isn't something to be ran to and grabbed in time of crisis. It's something to be sought out in private day to day. Samuel. Casual Christianity all around. How, 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 sorry, casual Christianity. Today, casual Christianity. Samuel's day, casualness in the priesthood. Casualness in the leadership. What's to be done? Crawl in a hole and lament the fact? No. Minister to the Lord. Just keep ministering. 
God doesn't really seem to be doing much. Keep ministering and spend time listening for Him. Perhaps spend less time saying, Lord, listen, for thy servant speaketh. And a lot more time of speak, for thy servant heareth. And then a willingness to convey what he says. He spake it every whit, told it every whit. And knowing this, I'd rather have God's presence day by day, ministering unto him, in the midst of casual Christianity, then I would live casually and come to the point of crisis, running back to grab the ark, hoping it'll bail me out. That's when you see the true failure and the true success. God defines success, and God had defined it. 1 Samuel 2.35, after that man of God delivers the message to Eli, closes with this, what God is saying, and I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. We have a great high priest who would fulfill that role exactly what the Lord is speaking of there. Let's remember the seriousness of that which we do. Brother Eccles.